Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Today's episode is brought to you by Vivo Life. I am so excited to be partnering with Vivo Life for this series. They are the creators of my favorite health supplements and they're also one of the most environmentally conscious companies I've come across. All of their products are 100% plant-based, they're certified carbon neutral and they plant one tree for every single order they receive. They have also just launched 100% home compostable packaging across their product range. So when you finished with one of their pouches, you can simply add it to your garden compost or your food waste collection. This means no more plastic scoops and bags of protein powder going to landfill. Vivo Life make all of their products in their renewable energy powered factory in Glastonbury here in the UK. They use organic ingredients and all of their products are third party tested for heavy metals, pesticides and herbicides. They've also won multiple awards for the quality of their products, including the award for best vegan supplements and superfoods for two years running. Now, I'm always the first to say that a healthy diet is the most important thing, but sometimes the right supplements can fill in the gaps that our diets are missing. This is where Vivo Life's products are so helpful for me. I take their vitamin B12, vegan omega-3 and vegan vitamin D3 daily, as these are the key nutrients that can be hard to get when following a plant-based diet. The best thing of all of this is that I know Vivo Life's products are made with natural ingredients that I can trust. I also love the way their vitamins are in liquid form, which means I don't have to swallow a load of pills and it means I can properly absorb them. So if you're looking for natural, healthy, plant-based supplements that taste amazing and help to protect the planet, then head over to vivolife.co.uk and use the discount code TALKINGTASTEBUDS to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks very much to Vivo Life. Welcome to a brand new series of Talking Taste Buds. I'm your host, Venetia Lamanna, and I am so excited to be bringing you inspiring conversations from thinkers and leaders who encourage people like you and me to live a conscious and full life. In season six, you can expect lots on the climate, conscious living, campaigning, community and cooking. Plus, I'll be bringing you a host of live panels, which is where you'll get lots of perspectives on a subject from an array of brilliant change makers. Right, let's get cracking with the show, shall we? Days Agaji is a 19-year-old history and politics student, the regenerative culture coordinator for Extinction Rebellion Youth UK national team and a 2019 European election candidate. In this interview, we discuss Days' health journey that inspired her climate activism, issues of diversity within Extinction Rebellion, unlearning social and patriarchal norms, politics, voting, food waste and freeganism. Yep, it's a first for this podcast. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of our chat for a fresh take on the Talking Taste Buds format, courtesy of my husband. But for now, here is Days Agaji on Talking Taste Buds. So let us start as we always do. What did you have for breakfast? 
To be honest, this is actually really bad. I I didn't have anything for breakfast. That's not bad at all. That's absolutely fine. I did like half cook something. You half cooked. Yeah, what, I, well, what was I boiled my moon cup in a pan this morning. So <laughs> so I think the action was there, but the actual food wasn't. <laughs> I love how this podcast has started. <laughs> Moon cups are revelationary, aren't they? Yes, they are. I was like, literally, I was in Bristol this weekend. I was telling my friend, I was like, you need to get one. Changed my life forever. <laughs> they are so, so good. They last a really, really long time. Yeah, I think it's like, they say like change every like six years or something. Yeah, like that. they're really brilliant. And uh, yeah, there's so many benefits. I also feel like it gives you a much better idea of how much we actually bleed. And yeah. you think when you use tampons and traditional methods of uh, protection, you think you bleed a lot more than you actually do. Exactly. Um, and how was Bristol? I love Bristol. Oh, it was really, really great. We had like a regen working day on the Thursday. So it was like a day of visioning and seeing what can we bring as, you know, regenerative culture coordinators to the working group. Um, then I went to go see Claro on Sunday, which was really cool, um, with my friend and I stayed at her house and I hadn't seen her in ages. So tell me about Claro. Oh, it's great. Um, Claro is like this, um, I'm not sure. I think she's American, um, artist. She's very like indie pop kind of thing, but yeah, I really love her music. So it was so good. (laughs) I'll leave her in the show notes in case anyone's interested. So Daze, let's wind back the clocks. I would love to hear about your life growing up. Uh, even though you're still so young you're still 19 right yeah I think you're the youngest person I've had on the show no which way. I love so let's talk about your childhood where you grew up and kind of your earliest memories of food and then I want to get into your mum and her restaurant yeah. because I was so delighted to, to read that but yeah let's wind back the clocks tell us about it I was born in London I was born in Whittington Hospital, 13th of March. I grew up in Tottenham primarily. Um, at that point, my family was living in relative poverty. Um, so it was a one-bedroom flat. My dad, uh, my two brothers, and my mum, and myself. Um, I grew up living very close with family. My grandma used to always come from Nigeria. She doesn't come anymore because it's too cold. Although like we were really poor, like my memories are always really fond because you know I slept in the same bed as my brothers for like most of my childhood because that's what we could afford it was very humble but there was there is so much love um so yeah I remember like food wise I think spam (laughs) really (laughs) yeah like spam was like the thing I would really like spam and eggs um (laughs) my mom used to make like the best scrambled eggs and it used to kind of look a bit like popcorn Mm. uh yeah so yeah and then um around I'd say it would be around like I would say like six seven eight maybe um my mom she actually had a dream and this dream led her to say that she's going to start her restaurant and then she started her restaurant in 08 I think um (laughs) and then then that's when I think I came quite middle class and uh, we moved to Enfield and that's the first house that I lived in. And we still live there today, actually. So this is quite a successful restaurant, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, it does. It, it puts a roof over our head, you know. <laughs> and what kind of food is it? Uh, Afro-Caribbean. Wow. So yeah, very much like um, cultural food. I grew up in like one of those like first generation like hybrid diets where like you'd eat things like really traditional to home, but at the same time, eat English food as well. And then I went to boarding school when I was 11. How was that? It was, it's such a change. Like, <laughs> it really is such a change from like, 
London, like North London, and I went to Skegness in Lincolnshire. I think that's where like the nature, the real love for nature kicked in. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about this. So I, I feel like everyone has that kind of, if they're into the climate and they, they do activism in this space, I feel like everyone has either a moment or a series of mm. moments that made them think, hang on a second, and maybe change their direction. So for you, how did you get into climate activism and were you always passionate about your nature or when did that that came in around the time of, of boarding school yeah I think I was really really passionate about nature during boarding school like we had a couple of fields around our boarding house uh, we had chickens we ate the eggs from the chickens we had pumpkins every year and it was just really really lovely I remember even the first time I touched a worm I was such a city girl I was like oh this is really nasty and then like a couple of weeks later I was like digging up worms to feed the chickens um so it was really great but um I think when I would say like before I would say like you know I love nature it's very light environmentalism like didn't really fully understand what situation we are in till I got to London and I got quite ill quite quickly um so this is when you came back to London after school yeah okay. I came back when I was like 16 so I had like really bad rashes I've always had rashes in my life but when I lived in Skegness it was quite quite a bit less but when I came back it was like everything um I started getting really bad like it wasn't acne though because it wasn't hormonal and I like I was 16 17 went by the time of like it was like in its full thing it was like turning 18 17 and like my family is known for just like never having skin issues whatsoever your skin is perfect looking at you now. <laughs> thank you <laughs> I can talk about that as well because I use like all natural products now cool. and really look at what I'm putting on my body and in my body as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was like, I just started getting asthma as well and just couldn't breathe. And I was just wondering like, why is this happening so quickly? And especially like, as like a mid-teen, like your self-esteem is very much reliant on the, the way you look. And there were some days I just didn't even want to go to college because I just felt like I looked disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, the doctors aren't giving me answers. Dermatologists aren't giving me answers, so... I'm going to go look for them on my, by myself. I went online and I just started looking at like, you know, why I would be getting asthma in London when I never had it previously in Lincolnshire. And then that's when I found out about air pollution and it was like, yep, six times um, the legal and safe limit in some areas in London. And it was just there like this moment of like everyone's walking around, going upon their day, not realising that we're literally breathing in things that that's killing us it's um, crazy isn't it i i feel like in certain areas of london you can smell it and actually where i live is so polluted and i, mm. I, I come out of the tube and I, I just feel it everywhere and i also find as a result of it i don't breathe properly when i'm here unless mm. i'm in a yoga class i'm kind of when i'm walking around the streets and i'm half breathing because i don't want to take it all in it's only <laughs> when i'm in the countryside that i'm like <laughs> inhale exhale yeah because even like when i was in boarding we would always come back and we would be like yeah there's an air like there's a difference in the air but we didn't actually think about like the pollution we just that was just like an observation where you'd be like yeah we're back now like we understand there's a difference but like especially like last year i lived on new cross road which is actually like one of the most polluted roads in the uk which i didn't know about when i when i moved in and it was like i don't understand how all of this is just almost being kept away from us because if, you know, you're living in somewhere where it's literally the most polluted road on the 
most one of the most polluted roads in the UK. Surely that should be something that an estate agent brings up, you know, so you can opt into living there if you want to, but also have the like the moment to say I don't really want to live in like a really polluted area. Of course, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then after that, that's when I started digging more and finding out about the crisis. And I was like, I think it really hit me quite hard because. I'm seeing all of this online. Um, a lot of the stuff is very difficult to understand. You know, like the IC- IPCC report isn't isn't like, you know, a walk in the park read. But at the same time, I'm like, why is no one reporting this? Why are, you know, especially at this point, it was like loads of charities just that say they're here for the environment, just not writing about these kind of things. Um, so I became really disillusioned, kind of angry. I was like, you know, I understand what I need to do now. And I went in very like individualistic. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stop using plastic. I'm gonna turn vegetarian. I'm gonna do all these sorts of things as a way for me to, you know, feel power within it. But at the same time, I didn't think too much about the larger scale of things. Until when? The summer after I left college, I started working at Amnesty International and um, I worked as a fundraiser there. And hearing like, I don't know whether it's like, you know, like mass propaganda, but like hearing all the amazing things that had been done by like, you know, collective action and just caring and giving a shit, you know, it was just there like one of those like, wow, like moments of inspiration. So then that's when, um, like in my first year of uni, which was last year, wow, (laughs) um, my friend, went to the five bridges like the declaration of rebellion in november and she was telling me about it about the same time i was not there for it because i was just like i don't care for this white hippie stuff (laughs) i don't really care for it um but then she was like just come to a meeting i was like got nothing else to do i might as well um at that point i had meningitis so i had a lot free time because i was off uni um so yeah and then i went to the meeting and it was like extinction rebellion it was great just like that real push for urgency that i just hadn't ever i've never seen before but was always longing for um and the the space and the community and just feeling so cared for literally from like the first step in um i remember because both of us had like really bad anxiety so we went into the office we were like this is really cool and then we saw the room but we didn't really know where to go but there was no one sitting on the front desk so we kind of just stood there and then we were talking to each other we're like yeah, I don't think it might be happening to you. She was like, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, should we go to the pub? <laughs> and then we were like, yeah, maybe we should just go to the pub. We were literally right about to leave. And then um, a lovely lady who I'm still like really good with, Amy, she went, are you guys all right, loves? Come on in. Even after that uh, meeting, I really liked it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to come back next week. But even with the, you know, the anxiety, you just being in a really new space and she just really helped us through it texted us after you know and that was just just out of the niceness that she had so Um, this was just over a year ago that this happened yeah this was actually around like february that's when i really started less than a year yeah how did you go from there to them doing what you do with extinction rebellion now and can you tell us about that in the meeting i met this guy called robin Robin was saying how he's got this idea and he's met up with a couple of people who are already like young people within XR and they want to set up an Extinction Rebellion youth. So I was like, yeah, this sounds really cool, you know? Um, so I tried working within Main XR, but didn't really, as like someone with like quite severe anxiety, didn't really feel like, you know, I knew enough to be there and have that moment of saying like, yeah, this is what I think. 
So when he was talking about Extinction Rebellion Youth, I joined that instead. And that was like, he told me after they had like the first initial meeting, which would have been like just a couple days before. Um, and then after that, I went to the first meeting and second meeting and it literally became like my weekly routine that on Tuesdays at six o'clock, I'll go to the office and be part of the meetings. And that was um, when Extinction Rebellion You started. It was here in London. Um, then after that, for the rebellion prior, I started working and doing some work in outreach. So I was coordinating outreach. How can we engage other people into joining in two hours? How can we, you know, I designed some leaflets with a couple of other people as well. Um, how can we distribute the leaflets as well? Where can we do this? And then um, also just before the rebellion, when we were like planning actions, planning what we're going to do, we were holding a pop-up site. Um, I started coordinating the logistics group as well, which was like great. It was like a group of, uh, there was five of us. And it was just so efficient. And it was like the youngest in that room, I think was like 14. And I was the oldest out of all of us. And it was just there like, how you efficiently, <laughs> you know, like bought supplies for a whole rebellion. It was, it was so, it was so cool and amazing. Um, yeah. And then after April happened and I remember telling my mom like months before how we're going to shut down central London. And she didn't believe me. She thought I was chatting out my ass. I remember when we were buying stuff as well. And then they're like, why are you buying like 30 ski masks and some hazmat suits? <laughs> and then we were like, yeah, we're planning on protesting and shutting down Central London. They looked at us like, oh, you cute little kids. Okay, you do that. And then April happened. My mom called me in the morning. She was like, wow. I can't believe this is happening. You're the kind of most integral part of the movement because you and people younger than you, this is who it's going to really, really impact. Um, I also want to say how lovely it is that I think you kind of found such solace in XR as someone who suffers with anxiety. I totally understand because not only did it give you kind of routine, it also gave you a sense of community. Mm. And community is such a big part of Extinction Rebellion, isn't it? And exactly. also kind of caring for yourself. Could you talk a little bit about that? How important kind of looking after yourself is within Extinction Rebellion? It's what makes us healthy for activism. And, you know, this is how I started getting to know about regenerative cultures. Because when I joined XR, I had seasonal depression and it was horrible. There would be like weeks where I would just like not go to uni, not get out of my bed, days without showering. And when I came there and I knew it was okay to not be okay and not like in a cringy or cliche way. It was okay to say, I'm really pissed off about this. I'm angry about that. I'm sad because I have nothing to be sad for. Um, <laughs> you know, I just want to cry today. And, and that was okay. And there was a space for holding and people to care as well and aid you and support you within that, like, you know, exploring of emotions. Um, before, when we do meetings, before every meeting, we have a check-in where it's not, you know, just like superficially how are you but it's like where are you coming from for this meeting and this is where we have the moment to say you know I'm not okay because something's happened and you know it's really ruffled me you know and it doesn't have to be all cheery it doesn't have to be all happy and just creating that space so we know how much holding we all need within you know meetings and just every day it's it's really 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 great this season I was really scared to go into it so I was like this is around the time last year where I got depression and just to know that now I can actually process my emotions properly 
I can learn how to talk about it as well even though like sometimes like especially at the beginning it felt so alien I know when I would do my check-ins I would have to like look on the floor because I just couldn't say it you know because it was just felt so like weird to like you know because we were just thinking oh too much you know you're spilling onto other people and that was like my big thing I also didn't want to be like an emotional like off branch just like spill my emotions onto people but just feeling like we all care about each other we all have shit days and we can all hold each other within that it really amazing like there was times in the rebellion the first one where it was just a really long day and everyone was really tired and we would literally just talk about how we're feeling and cry together it just creates such strong bonds yeah thank you for being so honest and open with me about that (laughs) how are you feeling now yeah i'm feeling like okay i i do do try and you know keep myself active get some sunlight eat well drink well make sure that you know my friends not block my friends out because i think that i did a lot of that last year and making sure that if i do need help i i need help and saying that absolutely thank you for sharing that you can't look at your own health without looking at the planetary health because in order for us to be happy and healthy the planet needs to be happy and healthy i've get the feeling that you felt very pessimistic about what's happening with the planet and with the climate breakdown and i also get the impression that you're a very optimistic person and you do feel positive about the position that you're in about the change that you are creating with extinction rebellion Mm. so how do you kind of I guess, grapple between the negative and the positive when it comes to the climate crisis? I'm feeling positive because if I'm not feeling positive, what's the point of doing this? I might as well, you know, book myself a flight to Ibiza and like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, go on with it. (laughs) So like, I have to feel positive. um, And I think that's a really good thing because activism can't just come out of anger. It has to come out of, you know, like love and gratitude and really deep connecting with ourselves, but also the planet. Um, this even covers like you know regenerative culture isn't just as superficial as just like self-care or yoga or meditation it's you know going into the inner self and understanding why am I like this and how can I be a better person for myself also how can I be a better person for my community how can I create community how can I create space to hold and then how can I bring healthy individuals to start taking care of the earth I love how you talk about regenerativeism uh, in terms of the individual, because I always see that word as something to do with the planet and the earth, mm. but you see it as an individual action as well. It's all together, yeah. It's all because we have to stop looking at you know the environment as like one sector that's just on its own and isolated. Everything that we do have impact, you know, and with you know regenerative cultures we have to start understanding how can we build this culture of resilience um i think the way i see is if we can't learn to love ourselves and learn people like love people around us and you know we repeat destructive behaviors like you know colonization sexism and racism and transphobia and all these things where we go we don't like you or you know in colonization we own you we can use you however you like you are merely a resource we do the same thing to the earth, you know, and we're seeing that repeat itself. So we need to start creating ways to healthily relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the only true way we can fully learn how to healthily relate to the earth. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I love that. Extinction Rebellion have been criticized um, as being a predominantly white middle class movement. I think this is probably one of the biggest criticisms it's received. Um, Do you think this is a fair criticism and how are they striving to alter this perspective? Um, I think it's like half fair. Um, One, I think as a person of color, you know, within Extinction Rebellion, um, I get loads of people telling me what it's like to be a person of color within Extinction Rebellion, which feels really ironic sometimes. Uh, Cause it's like, you, you would think I would know, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's kind of like, I understand it's fair. The environmental movement as a whole is very white in this country. And one, we have to start, start talking about it as though Extinction Rebellion in the UK is very white rather than Extinction Rebellion all across the world. Also environmental movement in the UK is very white let alone environmental movements all across the world. Because in my eyes, you know, the environmental movement started way long ago. The environmental movement kind of, you could see the origins starting as far back as, you know, the colonialist era where people were literally fighting for their land. And that's what we're doing now. Um, So I, I do understand where people come from, but there is so much effort being made because we welcome all and we want all to come. But at the same time, you have to remember this space one is, is made by predominantly white people who may not understand what it's like to be, you know, an ethnic minority or someone from a marginalized group. So this is where we have to stand up and say, what do we need from this space? And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people of color doing that and we are creating a space that holds that as well. There's a lot of, you know, like the Rainbow Rebellion group, they're amazing and they're creating and saying, this is what we need we need as the LGBT community to feel needed and wanted within this space. And that's what we need to do. We need to, you know, invite all, ask all to join us and hear their voices and create the space to, you know, to hold that as well. Because the way that we talk about, you know, XR and regenerative cultures, it's the whole way of that it's not just one built thing. It's like an organic organism always growing. And we have to understand, you know, we are young. Even talking to like the origins of XR, XR came from the Rising Up movement. XR was merely meant to be a campaign that was meant to last probably a couple months, you know, and now it's become an organization, a movement within itself. So, you know, we're still battling with the, how can we create this change from a campaign to a movement? Um, so there is like, you know, a lot of growth that does need to be done. I'm not going to lie to you about that, but there's so much going on. There's, you know, the decolonization training, which is a really large part of what we're doing now, especially with, um, the regenerative culture stuff. Cause looking at, when I talk about the inner self and where we come from society is decolonizing the self. This doesn't mean just like race relations. This means like all of the negative socializations that we've had to hate people who are, who are 
like us um you know this covers all marginalized groups as well working class communities um um indigenous groups as well which is another one that we don't normally talk too much especially in the uk indigenous groups doesn't just mean people in the amazon but it's you know people who still live very rural and minimalistic lives within the uk as well you know people who are in touch to nature in the same ways that would have been seen centuries ago and there are communities like that within the uk um but it's by understanding how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to society and how we can re-socialize ourselves and say, you know, I may be a little racist. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even like as a black person, you know, I go in the street and because the media has told me for years that, you know, probably like, for example, when I go into shops, I always feel like someone's looking at me and they might be, to be honest, but I always feel like I need to make sure my hands are totally clear so everyone can see I'm not touching anything, I'm not taking anything, wow. you know? So it's like, we have to start unpurging that and going, no, you know, this is what we've been fed as a society. And now we need to start saying, we know better, we can find better, we can learn better and hear from other people as well. Super inspiring, thank you. How do you see the movement progressing in 2020? You've got a bit of inside information working so closely (laughs) with them. How do you you see it all going and all planning out? Um, So we are actually starting to plan for the next rebellion. Um, Hopefully it'll be the last one because that's the aim. Every rebellion should be the last one. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So yeah, so we're hoping to go a bit bigger bigger and better. And especially now that we include so many more voices than we did like four months ago. You know, um, the rebellion's going to be so much different as well. Like I love how we all learn bits of sign language so we can include um, rebels who aren't vocal, you know? And it's like these kind of things, it's like we're just learning and picking up and by the next rebellion, do you think a lot has changed and a lot will be so much better? I remember I was doing this interview and I was being filmed somewhere in Shoreditch and then the interview was like, so what do you want? I was like, I want to go home. <laughs> it's cold out here. <laughs> I don't want to do this ever again. It's very exhausting, you know? And then I, they were like, so what do you, I'm just saying, like, just take the climate crisis seriously. And that that's all I want. Just do actions and I'll go home. I'll stop disturbing people. <laughs> now, well, obviously at the moment we are building up for general election and politics is something that you've been involved in. You ran as a candidate in the European election this yeah. year. Yeah. Go on, girl. Youngest ever. Huh. <laughs> Firstly, how did you go about putting yourself up as a candidate? How did it go? How uh. did your friends and family react? <laughs> it's quite a funny story, actually. Um, so, yeah, I was in the XR office and we were just talking about politics. XR is um, like nonpartisan. I wouldn't say apolitical because we influence politics, but we're nonpartisan. We don't get involved in the current political system. Um, so this is where, like, as a politics student, I study history and politics. I was like, there needs to be, like, a political edge of some sort, you know. I need to, you know, we need to do it from within the system and outside of the system as well. And I feel like XR and movements like XR are great for outside the system. But we need that w- awakening to happen within the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, we were having this kind of conversation. And then I was talking to Roger, Roger Hallam, one of our co-founders. And then he basically was talking about how it would be really cool to run um, in the, in the, um, election so I was like yeah you know why not then he was like you know obviously like finance wise it is really really expensive then he said that how he could find a way to find some money um fundraise 
So he ended up um, <laughs> fundraising money far quicker than I thought he would. I think it was like two days after, like the next day I was signing the papers um, <laughs> to stand as a candidate. Is this a sign of things to come? Do you think you would, do you think you'd want to be a, a politician in the future? Um, weirdly enough, no. I think this, this, that experience really put me off the whole idea. Um, I have very little faith in the political system that we currently have. Um, yeah. Does that mean you don't do or don't vote? Um, I do vote because I think totally opting out doesn't change anything. So at least if I'm voting, it is doing somewhat, although it's not, you know, pushing for the radical change and systematic change I feel we need. It is far better in the right direction than not voting cool. I'm, I'm quite like a stickler with the vote you know because people have fought hard for your right to vote Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. especially when you realize like um the people who don't vote are the people who need the voices the most um which is you know really annoying i heard that a statistic was like one four ethnic minority women don't vote wow um so it was like we need to stop this. We need to start having our voices heard and made sure that it's heard in every single way. I ended up running, and I think this exactly for like this point, you know, I wanted the climate crisis to be really prevalent in that election. I didn't want it just to be about Brexit, um, but also I wanted people to understand. A lot of people tell me like, oh yeah, like they're not, you know, they're not about politics. People like them aren't for politics. And it's like, that's, you know, I I was taught in politics class, democracy is for the people, by the people, you know, and it's just they're like, if we don't feel like we have a stake to run as candidates to represent people like us, our democracy is, is flawed heavily. Um, so just running and saying, yeah, I may not have a degree yet, um, but doesn't mean my lived experience isn't valid. Maybe young, but doesn't mean my lived experience isn't valid. Doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm talking about because I live this reality with everyone else as well and we all should have a stake in our society and feel like we can do it I had no intention of winning did very very strange election there was some like civil disobedience going on (laughs) um yeah I I think my favorite part was tea with your MEP candidate which is really good I went around to people's houses and had like cakes and tea with them. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it was such like, probably such a safeguarding hazard. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, it was really great just to chat with people and just be like really like down to earth, be like, yeah, I don't know things, but I could learn things now, you know? And I feel like if you feel like you know everything, you're probably going down the really wrong route Mm -hmm. because we should constantly be learning in life, whether you're, you know, 16 or whether you're 90 you should always be learning something new every day absolutely you have made a lot of changes in your life to be more environmentally conscious in a way you've made more changes than most people Uh, (laughs) for example you're wearing an outfit from depop today which i love i'm all here for it yes from a sustainable brand as well as well amazing which brand (laughs) house of sunny oh they're great (laughs) awesome i'll check them out yeah nice um and you're also a freegan now i've never interviewed a freegan before so tell me all about freegan so uh, a freegan is basically I buy vegan so if I was going to do my weekly grocery shop it will be all vegan um, but if it's food waste um, or if someone else is buying it for me I eat vegetarian but some freegans do eat meat as well um, so it's just basically it's being that conscious consumer 
um, food waste is a massive, massive environmental issue that we are facing. Um, so I feel like if the food exists and it's going to go to waste, I would prefer to eat it. There are some really good apps uh, for to prevent food waste in London yeah. if, you're, if you're here. Um, I'm a big one fan of Olio. Olio, yeah. Too Good to Waste yeah. is another one. Too Good one. to Waste, yeah. But I don't know. I feel a bit like somewhat about like buying food waste. Okay. Because I do think, you know, like we have so much food like we we produce so much food especially in the uk we have more food than we have mice to feed including like the whole populace so i think it's a bit like you know con out to be like oh yeah so know, what's the difference so it. what's tell, tell us about olio then so olio is basically a community it's community run so what happens is um so let's say like i sign up and i collect a pickup so you can collect a pickup from loads of different stores that they've already created partnerships with like planet organic is my favorite one because you know as a student <laughs> i don't have a lot of money to go to planet organic but they do um they're on olio so you can pick it up and then you bring it back to your community you put it on olio and then you obviously you'll take some bits for yourself but at the same time you've created that space for other people to take as well um i do it quite a bit i do quite a few pickups as well because um i I do like having that, especially in New Cross. There are a lot of homeless people and they really enjoy just having the food. You know, I microwave some of the ready-made meals, take it out there because it's like we have the food to feed people. So the fact that we're not doing it, it's like mind-blowing. It is, isn't <laughs> it? It's so mind-blowing. I think the government needs to start putting down legislation to stop food waste. And if it's going to go to waste, instead of throwing it in the bin, because, you know, it's actually, you know, once the date is off, which... I don't actually, like, the dates don't really mean anything. If there's mold in it, don't eat it, obviously. Yeah. But I grew up in a house where my mum picked off the mold of bread, but... <laughs> as long as it's like, not sour as long as it's or not, Exactly, as long as it's, like, not, like, really bad. Like, you can still eat it. And in the UK, like, if it's past the date, they can't sell it. They can't even give it to you. So they have to lock it in the bin so no one takes it, even though it's perfectly fine. So it's just, like, it's absolutely mind-blowing. But I think apps like olio just really great especially because you get to know people as well mm, so nice some really nice regular olios like in new cross um well new cross slash peckham line we've actually got a community garden someone's opened up their garden for people to start growing in um yeah just off olio it's just like a community shared garden of olio so it's really good i love how <laughs> this is what's happening right now this is really really encouraging thank <laughs> you uh days how would you feel about a quick fire round go for it are you ready yes <laughs> quick fire with days breakfast lunch or dinner breakfast tea or coffee tea oat milk or almond milk oat porridge or pancakes pancakes running or walking walking lemons or limes lemons chili or garlic chili pizza or pasta pasta sausages or bacon sausages <laughs> soup or stew stew curries or stir fries curries triple cooked chips or sweet potato fries triple cooked chips christmas or new year christmas <laughs> podcasts or netflix netflix <laughs> dazed or confused dazed extinction or rebellion rebellion <laughs> <laughs> Cho chocolate or nut butter nut butter talking or taste buds talking very good that was strong we got into <laughs> quite a good rhythm actually yeah <laughs> what are your three kitchen essentials these are three ingredients ingredients that knowing you have them in your kitchen make you feel more relaxed about life um tomatoes 
uh, onions and garlic. I think that would be it. Winning yeah. combination. <laughs> what is your non-negotiable daily self-care habit? My my skincare ritual. That's the thing. Um, I was actually going to talk to you about this. So I sh- I buy most things. I try and buy really locally. Um, so I used to live in Enfield. But in Wood Green, there's this little house called the House of Green Beauty um, run by Alex. Um, and he creates his own skincare brand called Nini Organics. And I've been using it for like a year now. It's done so much to my skin. You're glowing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's all skin food rather than, you know, like harsh cleansers. And it's all ethical, all vegan as well. Like the amount of love. And he sings Mariah Carey as he makes the products. Oh my gosh. It's really nice to be supporting a local business and someone that you can see every day if you really wanted to. Because I'm sure he has enough chat for everyone. Aww. So yeah, so it's like that skincare and it's all the ritual. It's really taking time and going through all the steps. And that's something that I don't think I could live without. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. What feeds your soul? I think, oh, so cringe. My family. I love my family so much. That's not cringe. That's <laughs> yeah. lovely. Like my brothers and my mom, especially because it, it's like we live in the UK and most of my family is still back in Nigeria or, you know, in the US. So it's kind of like my mom always said, we are we are all that we have. And it's very true because I know my brothers always have my back. I have my back's brothers, my brother's backs. <laughs> you know, I love my mum to bits. I think it's my, my family. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, what was your death row dinner, starter, main and dessert? Oh, God. I always feel so embarrassed by going for this. There is no shame whatsoever in this. So first, my my starter. Yeah, because I I did think about this. And I think I said there's this duck and waffles. I really like the chickpea. Like they did like this chickpea salad with like some pomegranates and stuff. Tortellini de zucca is like like a pumpkin pasta. Mm. I was like, I've had so many good memories. I went to Italy the summer and I literally just ate it every day because it was like one of the only <laughs> one of the only vegetarian meals they have out there <laughs> so yeah so I, I think I would go for that as a starter and then I would definitely go for just like a plate of bacon and sausages because you know if I'm gonna die I'm gonna go down with like a very bad indigestion and <laughs> some meat products in me <laughs> then I would go for a tiramisu as my dessert because I just love tiramisu especially a good one at which point Matt have you got any food for us? <laughs> so we're trying something with Days today. This is the first time we've tried it. We're ready, yeah. Awesome. So we, I asked Days before the interview what her death row dinner was. And bearing in mind, it's, is it Wednesday today or Tuesday? I think it's Tuesday. Tuesday. It's Tuesday and it's lunchtime. So as much as we'd like to just have tiramisu for starter main <laughs> and dessert, Max uh, rushed out before we did the podcast record and cobbled a few things together. So we could have some lunch based on a few of the things <laughs> that you have listed. Maybe one day we will give you full full bacon sausage, <laughs> veganized, just a plate of vegan sausage and bacon. We'll have to do that another time. But hopefully um, there'll be a few things in there that you like and Max can talk us through what we're going to be eating. Thank you. Um, so I'd love to, <laughs> love to hear about how what your family say about um, you not flying to see them anymore. Yeah, like, I think they just kind of get it. I do think there is a space for love miles. Um, Like, 
for your family and for your friends on important occasions and stuff. I do think you just have to just remember you aren't perfect. Yeah. And especially when you reduce so much, you deserve to have a little treat. Like my treat on like a weekly basis, like a bag of spinach and plastic. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> like big leaf spinach don't taste the same. It doesn't. <laughs> it does it really doesn't. And that those that it's all it's even if it you need to wash it it still feels so clean it's not gritty exactly. in any way exactly exactly <laughs> because you get like the bit of sand and a bit of exactly. like dirt <laughs> the grit at the bottom it is actually you're so right that bag of spinach yeah, is such an indulgence like, just treat yourself you know what i mean and just have that moment of just being like yeah i'm not perfect i'm trying my goddamn hardest but you know i'm gonna do something and especially like with like family and loved ones like that's something where I'm just so like, yeah, obviously I'm not gonna, you know, like before we used to go like every year. So mm-hmm. I think that was a bit like insane. Mm-hmm. But if it's like a wedding or like, you know, I need to see my Nana and she really wants to see me. Then you've got to yeah. do it. Max, yes. So wow. come put the food down and then maybe come so, close to the mic and tell us what we're eating. Dave, so I know you like sausage rolls. So I went out and that's right, right? That was one of your death yeah. row yeah. responses. So we found out that, yeah, you like, uh, uh, sausage rolls. So we went to one of our local cafes. They make vegan sausage rolls. I didn't have enough time to make my own, so please <laughs> it accept. So yummy. Please accept these. <laughs> and then we made a lovely uh, salad on the side. It's uh, charred radicchio with roasted chickpeas, pumpkin seeds, and dill and what is that? Parsley. And then parsley. I have parsley. And then I made a mustard and tahini dressing. Mm. so it'll go nice i think with all the veggies we have here it looks beautiful and really lovely. <laughs> yeah, take some pictures and for dessert oh dessert <laughs> yeah so your death row response for this pudding was tiramisu right well it's not tiramisu but it's something please accept this this is a chocolate <laughs> chocolate date coconut um, kind of, uh, what would you call this? A dense a chocolate slice. Yeah, like a tart. tart yeah. Yes. With a lovely buttery pastry and uh, hazelnut topping. Yum, yum. Ketchup is from Ruby's and the Rebel, which um, collects uh, unwanted or ugly or wasted fruit to make their uh, condiments. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Really delicious. Thank you, Max. You're welcome. You. Enjoy. Max is now rushing out the door to have his hair cut. Are you getting your hair cut? You're going to really talk about this? Yeah, I mean, I need to wrap up the show. <laughs> I need to wrap up the interview. Wrap, wrap it up. I'm going to go clean clean the dishes and then uh, go off and get my hair cut. Thank you, chef. Um, Days, what was your verdict on the the mane that Max kindly put together? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Good. <laughs> I particularly liked the dressing for the salad. What's in the dressing? That's the one takeaway. You you choose the salad dressing, which is well, no, just obviously, like the smallest <laughs> part of the whole entire meal. Obviously, the roasted chickpeas were heavenly, and the sausage roll was obviously great, but you didn't mm. make that, pal. <laughs> so what was in the, the dressing? The dressing was mustard, yellow mustard, uh, tahini, a splash of water, a splash of maple syrup, and some sea salt and some other type of herby, dried herbs in there as well, and just... Put that in a jar and I shook it shook like it crazy. Up. Shook it up. Thank <laughs> you. It was delicious. You're welcome. Days, thank Bye. you so much for being a part of this podcast. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure Great. to have you. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to Talking Taste Buds. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you're new here, please do subscribe. And if you could spare a minute to leave a five-star review on iTunes, that would be amazing. It really helps podcasters out when you do so. Make sure you hit the show notes for links to my guest and the things that we spoke about. And I'll also leave links to Vivo Life, who I am just so excited to be partnering with. Right, I'll be back next week. But in the meantime, I hope you have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.